Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We're launching into a series. It's called Summer in the Psalms. I love the Psalms. 150. It's really poetry. It's the, it's the poetic section of the Bible. And uh, there's 150 of them. And one of the things that I love about the Psalms is that they're just so honest, aren't they? It's full of like lo- love and, 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 you know, hardships and, you know, things that people go through. It's very, very emotive. And in the middle of all of that, it kind of points to where God is in the middle of that journeying process. So what I want to do this morning is kick off our year, kick off our series by reading to you Psalm 121. So if you've got a Bible, you can open it and uh, and read along. Uh, If not, we've got it on the screens for you. It says in Psalm 121, verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. When you see the word Lord, the original language would have that being the the name of the Lord Yahweh. And what it really means is the eternal, unchanging, dynamic presence of God. I think that that's awesome. It says, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I was casually reading this psalm in the month of December, not intentionally for the series. I was just reading it. And I, it piqued my interest. And I did a little bit of research on it. I thought, this is so good, this scripture, that we should open the year with this scripture. It's about taking a journey. And this year, we're all going to take a journey. Every single one of us, you know, metaphorically speaking, you know, we're going to take a journey. So, for example, you know, it's the beginning of the year. Who's got goals? Yep, about half of you. Okay. Well, we'll pray for the other half. Uh, you got goals. You got maybe New Year's resolutions, things that you have planned for your life and your future, well, you're going to take a journey towards tracking those things down. You're going to take a journey because time is, uh, you know, continually moving us forward and we don't really have a choice about that. So we will be journeying through this year at some point. And, you know, that journey will uh, make a big difference to all the things that come after that. I wonder how many people this morning have even got like a health journey set up for this year. I, I think what happens is people, they, they eat their way through Christmas and the next five days and then you go, I've got to do something about this. And you think, I'm going to make some plans for my health, my fitness, definitely need more cardio in the new year. And statistically, about 30% of people are going to make those kind of plans. They're going to make those goals for their life. Gyms are selling out of memberships right now. Uh, That's what they do. In June, those same people are trying to sell them to anyone that wants it. But, you know, now uh, they're selling like hotcakes. You know, if you look at how people set up their year, 
you know, at the very beginning of the year, they're making goals. So health is a goal. Uh, what about finances? I bet you there's a stack of people in here. In fact, statistically, uh, according to McCrindle, uh, in Australia, 78% of people uh, are making financial plans for their future. They're hoping to be better off. They're going to, you know, get rid of all the subscriptions that they have kept since COVID. And, you know, and they're, they're just going to trim the fat wherever they can and, and cut back. And they're making plans. So I don't know what your plans are. Maybe you've got career plans, career goals. You want a new career or just advance into the one that you have. Uh, maybe you're, you've got more relationships goals you know you're you're single and you don't have the gift of singleness and you don't want to be single right so you got plans this year that's all right good you know there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that maybe what you want to do is improve your relationship with God that is a good one if you're making plans for this year uh, why don't you make a plan to deepen your faith to build your faith to, to have a great relationship with God. If you feel like it's something that maybe you've neglected, there is no time like the present to make that plan for your future. I was on social media the other day and I saw this pastor who I'd never heard of before. Somehow he popped up in my social media feed and he's put up like eight uh, little swipe through pictures that you could have. And his encouragement to people was, do not start a Bible reading plan, you know, on January 1. Don't start it. Don't start it. His advice was to go out and to be kind to your neighbor and live out and express the gospel. And while I appreciate his sentiments, I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Seriously, because reading your Bible is the number one catalyst for your spiritual growth by a factor of two. So if you want to grow in your faith, read the Bible. Don't listen to that guy. Read the Bible. It will help you. I get what he's saying. I understand why he's saying it. He's saying it because he thinks, you know, we can't be the kind of culture and the kind of people that have a faith where we just read it in the Scriptures, but we don't express it and live it out. But why not do both? Okay, so let's not live exclusively here. Let's make sure that right believing leads to right living. Amen. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing, reading the Scriptures, knowing more about God. It changes us internally. It deepens uh, who we are in our relationship with God. And I would say, go ahead and start it. Now, the reason he said don't start it, I think, is because he's trying to circumnavigate this uh, journey towards failure because people sometimes start in Genesis, but by the time they hit Leviticus, they say, why did I even start? You know, you hit Leviticus and think, my gosh, I don't care what their name is and I don't understand this, you know? And so I think his plan is rather than fail, you know, a few months in, just don't do any of that. Just don't, but, but overcorrected and saying, don't read. Maybe start with the New Testament. I don't know. But absolutely this year, everybody, it's a really good idea to read your Bible. The reason he's saying to circumnavigate that, that journey and the reason why he posted all of that is because sometimes people will start a journey that they they don't finish. Sometimes people start a journey that they don't finish. And what you need to know is that every journey has unplanned routes that come up. Every journey that we take has uncertainty at some point. And that is exactly what the psalmist was writing about in Psalm 121. In fact, it was required of Israel, the Israelites, the Jewish people, to make a journey towards Jerusalem three times a year for different festivals that they had. And so they would make that journey. And so when they would make that journey, it was a commandment, but it was the one that was filled with uncertainty. It was filled with uncertainty. And to get the picture, to, to imagine 
what the psalmist is writing about, as you began to take that journey, imagine you've begun on the plains of somewhere and in the distance you can see the mountains or hills as it's written there. And you see the hills that are ahead and the hills are, are filled with uncertainty. What's, what's, what could be so uncertain about the hills? Well, uh, because there are specific routes that you need to take through the hills, there are robbers there. Yes, robbers. And so what they would do is they would wait for people because they, well, they're going to have to come by this way and then they would just attack them. So, so what's uncertain about the hills? Robbers, um, wild animals. I don't know what it would attack you in the mountains, an angry llama or something. I have no idea, right? But, but so you could be attacked by wild animals, um, you know, and, and, and maybe not just attacked by wild animals. Maybe, you, you know, you, you fall, you, you twist, you ankle you break your leg or something like that and no one finds you for days and this is the uncertainty so they can see the hills ahead it's it's filled with uncertainty and as they start to get a little bit closer that uncertainty starts to creep in it begins to do things to people's souls so when you when you have uncertainty about the future and you start to worry about it it really produces a deep-seated fear inside of people about moving forwards in life. And I know plenty of people that have felt compelled to go on some kind of journey or to do something, but have been so overwhelmed and so overcome by fear that they don't step out and do everything that they feel God has really asked them to do. Now, fear is a faith killer. It's a faith killer. It is a journey stopper. I don't even know if that's the word. Is stopper a word? It's my word. It's my sermon. Can have any word I want. It's a faith stopper. And it, it just stops people in their tracks. I remember years ago when my pastor asked me to take a huge faith step and to start leading this church. And when I began to think about that, it sounded exciting. And journeys always do sound exciting. And then the uncertainty of the future starts to creep in, the possibilities of what could happen. And you take over a church, you know, come on, people know about it. It's it's on social media. They, people hear about this kind of a thing. And if it goes well, well, fantastic. But if you fail, it's spectacularly public. And so I thought, well, this is either going to go very good or maybe it's not going to go very good. I, I really don't know. And so yeah, there's this element of, yes, I'm certain what God said. And maybe you've had this before. Come on. Have you ever had this where you've, you, you're starting to think and process and you know what God has said, but you're still uncertain what lies ahead? Have you ever had that? So you know what God said, but you go, I still don't know all the twists and the turns. Jeez, I didn't know that we were going to lose our building in a couple of months of me taking over the church. I didn't know that we'd have to go to Camp Krusty slash your little Yurunga Community Centre in Croydon Hills. And, you know, I have repressed and got that, a lot of that and got counselling for it. But I didn't know that we were going to move from this venue to like this venue and it would be a nightmare. I, I, I didn't know a whole bunch of things that were going to happen. But, but when, you, when you start a faith journey... You just have to step out and just believe that God will meet you where you're at and that even though you're not certain of everything, you are certain about who He is and you've got to be certain on what He said to you. And so if you don't have the faith to bridge the gap, you're really going to struggle in life to do everything that God's asked you to do. And I don't know about you, but I didn't want to die wandering. I didn't want to, I didn't want to die saying, what could my life have been like if I had have said yes? And I think about my family, my life, this church, everything, where it is right now. And a lot of this 
either wouldn't be here or would look completely different. My family would look different. My life would look different. And I just didn't want to die going, I wonder what would have happened if I had have said yes. I reckon that's one of, the, one of the worst things that could happen to you is you go to the grave wondering, what if I said yes to God? What if I had said yes to Jesus? Well, what could, have, what could have the life been that I would have lived had I just said, okay, I'm doing it? I wonder how many people you know that have been totally gripped by fear. And they just can't make that gap or, or, or bridge that gap. And I think one of the reasons why we have that fear of the future is primarily because we don't control it. You know, come on, think about it. Like, if you could control everything that was going to happen in your future, then you wouldn't have anything to worry about because you're in charge of it. So the fear that we have sometimes comes from a place of realizing we don't have any control over it. Right? All right. Well, I don't want to burst your bubble this morning, but that is a very present reality for you right now. You don't have much control over what's happening right now. We have the illusion of having control. We just don't actually have control over the things that happen. Gosh, we've learned that over the last couple of years, haven't we? Like, we, we don't have control over everything that happens. And sometimes that, that starts to really eat away at you. But I, I've discovered that if you want to move forward in life, one of the best things to do is not try to wrestle for control, but be hands off and start to trust God and believe that we have and, and start to have some faith in future grace. That the God who called you will also walk with you. That the God who asked you will, will provide for you when you need Him to provide for you. This is what the psalmist says. He says, from where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? You know, if you start to think about what kind of help you need, guys, there's only a couple of options here. Like you could start to look at yourself Say, so, okay, well, what am I going to do? I mean, imagine the psalmist who's writing this, making the journey, thinking about the mountains that lie ahead, and he's starting to think about them and everything that could happen in the hills. And the question is, okay, where does my help come from? So one of the options would be myself. I'm going to prepare for the journey, all right? I'm going to carry some kind of weapon to attack a robber when he comes. You know, I, I don't know. Uh... I'm going to, again, another weapon to attack an animal when they come. I don't know. Like, that's a more long-range weapon for wild animals. Um, you know, and you start to think, well, what am I going to do? I'll take uh, a bandage for my ankle in case I twist it. So we can come up with different ways to help ourselves. The psalmist is asking a really good question, though. He's saying, come on, I could prepare and everything could still go wrong. I could prepare and be totally caught off guard. I could break both ankles, but I only brought one sling. I don't, I bandage, you know, like, what are you going to do? So he's really saying, okay, so, so where does my help come from? He says, the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you imagine the mountains, you're approaching them. There's uncertainty. And in the distance, you see the mountain range. You go, that's what's uncertain. I can see everything around me now, but that's what's uncertain. The mountains that, that are ahead. And you start to think, okay, well, maybe if I, what does he say in the beginning? I lift up my eyes. What if you just lifted up your eyes? And that, that mountain range is quite small 
in the scope of a horizon when you're miles back and you can see the distance between heaven and earth, if you know what I'm saying, and you realize, well, hang on, I'm worried about what's going to happen there. But look at all this. God is the creator of heaven and earth. Those mountains, He made those. He made the space above them. The space above the mountains, the space between the top of the mountain and space as we know it is actually quite vast. And He made it all. And what are we supposed to gather from this idea of the the maker of heaven and earth? It's meant to give us some kind of perspective that God is so much bigger than the challenges that we could face. And it's good every now and then to be reminded that your help really doesn't come from you. Your help can come from God. He made the physical and the spiritual dimensions. I mean, think about it. Everything you know and everything you've seen, everything you can see, every uh, majestic picture of the horizon and, and the oceans as vast as they are. And He made it all. And so we're meant to get a big picture of God. And then we put our small problems next to this big God and start to realise, you know what? I think it's going to be okay. This thing just might work out for me. It's interesting that Jesus said, with faith, you can say to a mountain to move and it'll move. Mountains are symbolic in the Scriptures of impossible problems. And yet Jesus says, if you've got faith, you can say to the mountain, be moved and it will move. The solutions to mountains is faith. Not staring at mountains. Yeah, for real. Or navel gazing. You know, the the solution to mountains is faith. Not just looking at the problems, not just staring at the uncertainty. Not just wondering and entertaining your fears and your worries and your concerns about what could happen, what might happen if we, if we do this, if I say yes to, to God, like, you know, or navel gazing, you know, looking within yourself maybe and what am I going to do and how am I going to handle this and how am I going to solve this, right? That's not the solution here. My question to you is in 2023, what are you really doing to build your faith? This year, what are you going to do to build your faith? Well, I'll give you a couple of solutions here and they're going to be real easy to remember because they form our theme for the entire year, which is the Word. So, so read the Scriptures. Yes, do start a Bible reading plan. The Word and the Spirit. Listen, if you do those two things this year and you are consistent and you are spending time reading the Scriptures, and you are spending time praying to God and having the Spirit speak to you, you will become a faith beast by the end of the year. Guys, it's not rocket science. What it does take is consistency and relationship building. And I I, I imagine that by the end of the year, if you do those two things all year and you're consistent, you will have a bigger perspective of God and a better perspective on your problems and your challenges and the things that await you. I remember years ago, Sarah and I wanted to take a trip overseas with Open Doors and the guy who was running the state. So Open Doors is a missional organization that helped the persecuted church all over the world. And they said, hey, we want you to go on a trip. 
And they actually asked us, where would you like to go? Sarah's always wanted to go to Egypt. So we said, oh, it'd be really great to go to Egypt. And this person said to us, well, Egypt is very, very dangerous. And we said, yes, it is. Maybe we should have thought about this. <laughs> and then I got to know a little bit more about the guy who was leading the state at that time. And he's since moved on from his role. But he actually was the personal security guard for a, a number of prime ministers and has, is, is the guy that would pick the security routes to get people out of dangerous situations. So yes, <laughs> in one sense, Egypt did sound dangerous, but suddenly I felt a lot safer. <laughs> and you know what? The danger hadn't changed. It was just as dangerous before. The one difference is I knew who we would be with. And when you know who you are with, it changes how you feel about the journey that's ahead. So what are we supposed to get from this? Well, when God is with us, we're pretty safe. Now, we never went to Egypt because of COVID. So that was the end of that journey. But one of the things that I've discovered is that fear disguises itself as wisdom. Fear will disguise itself as wisdom in your life. And so if you are always full of fear and if you are always worried, what can tend to happen is people that don't want to admit that maybe they really are afraid will spiritualize that. And what will they say? They will say it is wisdom and, 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 I, and I'm being cautious and I'm being prudent and, 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 and those things can be good things. But if you are always cautious, always so prudent to the point that you never step out from where you are, don't spiritualize it. That's just fear. That's all that is. If you spiritualize a spirit of fear, it's like you're saying you're welcome to stay. And sometimes the things that we try to spiritualize and pass off as, as okay is something that you actually need to get rid of and get it out of your life. What, what are you supposed to do? Well, don't be paralyzed by fear. Church, build your faith. Don't be paralyzed by fear. Build your faith. And, and, and I've learned that faith can sometimes be a little bit of a journey, but it's worth taking the journey. Do you know why? Because Jesus said, if you get a mustard seed worth of it, you can cast a mountain out of your path. Come on, how many mountains do you have that you come up against and learn from Jesus? He says, what you need is faith to move this mountain. Before you make a decision with your life, you know what I gotta do? I gotta build my faith. Because if that's the thing, that fixes things, and if that's the thing that moves things, then it does make sense that that's the thing that you should go after. What does the psalmist say about taking the journey and walking with God? He says this, He will not let your foot be moved and He won't slumber. Sometimes I reckon it's easy to feel like God is asleep. Serious, it is. Sometimes it's easy to feel like, hey, God is... Uh, not paying attention really to what's happening in my life, but it's not true. Commentators say that the name Yahweh is an imperfect tense. It means I am, will be present. He's everywhere. Everywhere you go. They write in other places, where can I go? 
If I go down into the depths of Sheol, there you are. Like where, It doesn't matter where I go. You're there. He will be present. He is present. He is the great I am. He's everywhere all at once. And I, I think one of the greatest lies that you can ever hear is that God doesn't care and God's not walking with you. I reckon that's one of the greatest lies that you can that you can ever hear. That's that's not true at all. Do you know what the scriptures say about this? They say that the the hairs on your head are numbered. And maybe some of you have got no hair, and don't feel bad about that because because that's not what he's saying. He's like, he's saying I, if, as long as you got hair, I'll count you. If you don't, I won't. Right? Like he he's really saying I know exactly what's going on in your life. Right? And it doesn't matter where you fall in the scale. The, the scale of zero hair to my daughter, Eliana, who's so much hair, so much hair. Um, wherever you are in that space, in that scale, it's saying God is aware of everything that's happening in your life all of the time. And if you don't believe that, you, you can be overcome by fear and you will never live out the life that God has actually called you to. Listen, faith is so important that if you read the Scriptures and you even look at the grace gifts in Romans chapter 12, do you know what it says? It says the portion of faith that you have or the measure of faith that you have is part of what leverages those gifts. It's, look, go back and read it. It's in, in proportion to the faith that you have. Now, I've discovered that God will give you a portion, but if you take that and you work with it and you trust God, have you ever discovered that it just grows? Like your faith will actually grow? I mean, if you've been on a journey of faith, like you gave your life to Jesus and you've been five years into that journey and your faith hasn't grown at all, you're not doing it right it's supposed to grow over time. Why? Because you start to build a history of the faithfulness of God and how good He is. And then you have stories and testimonies and things that you can look back on and say, ah, He did that there. He saved me there. I had a friend of mine asked me once and he said to me, I just don't know how you can believe in God. And my answer to him was so simple. I said, because I've seen too much. I've seen too much. You couldn't talk me out of it. You couldn't convince me out of it. Why? I have too many stories. I've seen too many healings. I've seen too many things happen that are totally unexplained. And when you start to accumulate those things, what happens? Your faith builds and it grows. And it has something that starts to reset your expectations for the future. Because you know what's possible. You know what He's able to do. Let me speak some truth into your life this morning. God knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through and He loves you. He's in the middle of it with you. That's real. That's truth. That's what the Bible says. Never, ever for a minute entertain the lie that God has left you or walked away from you. Do you know the promise that He made to His disciples? He goes, I will be with you till the end of the age. Hey, that was a promise He didn't just make to the, to the, the apostles in their day. It's disciples. God is always with us. God is always going to care about us. God is always going to love us. In fact, the psalmist writes this. I love this. Psalm 121, he says this. In between verses 1 to 8, he says, Your keeper and keeps you. Two phrases, right? Your keeper. He's your keeper. He keeps you. Eight, no, six times in eight verses. You reckon that they might be trying to say something? 
No one thinks they're gonna, you're looking at me like convince me. I don't know how to convince you guys. Honestly, it's six times in eight verses. If you can't get it now, there's not much I can do for you, you know. I think he's making a real significant point here. That he's close. How close is he? We'll listen to verses five, verse five to six. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. In other words, how close is he? Close enough to be your shade. Close enough to be all over you. His presence is all around you. His presence is all over you. When you read this, you're supposed to be reminded, by the way, of the sun by day and the moon by night. When did Israel need protection? From the sun and from the cold of night. Well, when, when they left Egypt, remember the story. Here they are, they flee, they get out of Egypt. And then what happens? Well, they're going to wander around the wilderness. It's kind of a long story, but let's just say, they didn't take a step of faith and then they ended up wandering around in the wilderness. And what happened? Cloud covered by day, fire by night. That cloud cover, what's that? It was the presence of God. It's this, this scripture is supposed to evoke that in Israel. They're supposed to look back on their past stories and testimonies and say, we've seen the faithfulness of God. He's our shade. He's over us. We're protected by Him. This is the kind of thing that we're supposed to remember. You're supposed to remember what He's done. And I know that for some people, maybe you're here and you, you might even say, well, you know what, that's great for you, Pastor Ben. You've, you've had some great stories and I don't have all those stories. Yeah, I know. You might not have all the things that I've seen. Maybe there's a lot more things that are coming in your future should you take this journey. something that we all have in common is that we're all saved by the one redeeming act of Jesus Christ and that thing I mean the gospel the forgiveness of our sins by sending Jesus to pay the penalty for our mistakes that has become part of my history why it's in my history because that event affects me so if you're trying to figure out, can I really take the journey, trusting that God will be there for me, what more evidence would you require than the fact that Jesus sent His one and only Son to pay the penalty for your mistakes on the cross? If that means anything to you, then you know you have a God that loved you enough to send Him. And that's supposed to do something to us as well. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It doesn't matter whether we're coming or going in verse 7, He'll keep you forevermore in, in verse 8. Why? He is the maker of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. He loves you with an intensity that is so hard to communicate. Your best hope is to get people to experience that encounter for themselves because I tell you the truth, words fail to communicate the love that God has for you. It's honestly best felt in a moment where you experience the presence of God and realise when you are overwhelmed 
by that shadowing, overshadowing presence that you have, how much He actually loves you. And I'll tell you something else. For those of you that might even say, well, I don't know if I've still got all the, the stories and the testimonies. Even if you get past the Gospel, once you understand how much God loves you, I'll tell you, you have stories and testimonies you don't even know about. That you don't even know about. You know why? They never even happened. You know why? Because He protected you. How many buses missed you? How many cars missed you? How many planes stayed in the air? How many times did you swim back to shore? How many times, seriously, how many times has God saved you? And somewhere in the recesses of your mind, you might have said, geez, that was lucky. No. <laughs> the grace of God was on you. He protected you. Come on. I honestly, I do this. I give God praise for things that I've never even seen. I say, God, I know you're protecting me. I, I was praying this prayer with my kids even last night. I said, God, thank you that this year you've protected us. You've saved us. You've helped us. Why? Because I'm not in control, but He is. I'm not sovereign, but He is. And when you get that kind of big picture of God, the Creator of heaven and earth, you start to experience a peace. You know what? It's so often people are looking for peace from their circumstances. Oh, I can't wait till this gets fixed or that get fixed, right? The Scriptures say that He offers a peace that the world doesn't give. The peace that I have is not that everything is better or that I'm even in charge, but that He is. And if you can live with that, your anxiety will go. If you can live with that, your fear will go. If you can live with that, you'll have the faith that you need to take the step that God's actually placing on your heart. And this kind of life will change you forever. So 2023 may have some mountains. I don't know. It will. <laughs> it will. There will be mountains ahead for some of us probably all of us in a different way. But you know what, guys? Mountains are no problem for anyone with a mustard seed. That's all you need. That's what Jesus said. So if you take Him at His Word, if you believe that it's faith that moves mountains, if you're going to do something this year, build your faith. Don't be paralyzed by fear. Don't stare at the mountains. Don't navel gaze and try to think, how can you solve every problem? You'll come to the end of yourself eventually. Build your faith. How are you going to build your faith? You read His Word. You pray in the Spirit. And the more that you start to do these things, it will change you. It'll shift you. You'll start to look at problems with a new perspective. Something that looked too hard for you will start to, you'll start to accumulate some stories and your testimonies and you say, well, I've seen Him do bigger things than this. So we're going to speak to that in Jesus' Name. And you watch things start to shift and move. And you watch your stories and your testimonies begin to encourage those who have no faith around you. And then we're really cooking. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for every single person this year that's here today. And it doesn't matter whether you're watching online right now, you're in this room, God can reach you right where you're at. But if today you said, come on, you're speaking my language. I want to build my faith. I'm going to read your Word. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I want to see things shift and move. 
want to see promises be released. I want to see healings come. I don't want to see the restoration of relationships. I want to see impossible problems be gone in Jesus' name. I can't guarantee any of those things, but I know I can connect you to the one who's able to do above what you think or even imagine. If you are going to take a journey this year and you say, I'm building my faith, come on, I'm not waiting any longer. Just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you right now. You're really committing in your heart to this right now. You say, that's it. I'm I'm going after this this year. Father, I pray for every single person who right now this morning says, God, I do want to build my faith this year. It's so simple and yet it's so profound and has the biggest impact on our lives than any other thing. And I pray, God, this year as they begin a journey, I pray they finish it all the way to the end of the year. Every Bible plan that's started, I pray it be finished in Jesus' Name. And Lord, even if a couple days do slip by here and there, it doesn't matter. I pray they get back on track. I pray no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, for every single person that they deepen their faith. I pray, God, make us bold. Every time your spirit, we get into your spirit and your, your presence gets on people, it does make them bold. They have courageous faith. They speak to mountains. They see impossible things shift. Every single person in here will have something that they need shifted this year. And so, Father, I pray, not that you'd magically evaporate every problem, but that we would have the faith and the courage to look at it and say, be gone in Jesus' Name and let the stories and the testimonies and the healings and the baptisms and the salvations and all of the relationship restorations, let those things begin to stack and accumulate from January all the way through to December in the mighty Name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.